four weeks into this OHL season and still some panic. Most of it confined to the Royal City as we get you into another episode of the OHL podcast. Dan Mahar is over there. You'll find him on Twitter at Tim Wallach, just like the former Montreal Expo. My name is Mike Farwell on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL. And you know, Dan, as much panic as there might be in Guelph, I can't help but think maybe just a wee bit of it is settling back in for fans in Kitchener after a really rough weekend against the Erie Otters. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to do a dishonorable mention this week, it might be for that whole Kitchen Rangers team. And I like to give them a little uh, leeway, knowing that there was some flu going through that team, but a couple just dismal efforts this weekend for sure. Well, it's interesting how a four-game winning streak can be, the memory of that can be erased so quickly after back-to-back losses. But let's not discount this eerie club as well, something that you would have seen obviously firsthand on Friday night when they were in Kitchener. And then I got to witness, obviously, on both ends, having been down in Erie on Sunday afternoon, it looked to me, and we even talked about it on our broadcast on Sunday, that the Rangers were home and cooled out in this one. The body language from Erie late second period was suggesting that they knew they were in their third game in two and a half days and just didn't have it on that day. And then all of a sudden things turned around. I know there might've been contributing factors to that, but you have to credit BJ Adams and his hockey club for digging deep in that third period to come back against Kitchener. Yeah. And, and as a teaser, I might have a little more to say about the Erie Otters or an Erie Otter a little later in the pod in a different segment, but, uh, but full credit to BJ Adams and his staff. And I I always say one of the biggest factor in, in junior hockey is coaching and, and what they get out of those teams. And, and doesn't matter what you have on paper if you have a coach that just drives those players, improves them, and has them all rowing in the same direction. And I think what we saw out of the Erie Otters this weekend was the, the work ethic is just it, it's exceeding their opponent consistently. And when you do that, you got to tip your cap to the coaching staff. It's funny what you just said about a later segment and maybe coming back to at least one of the players on the Erie Otters hockey club. So. Dan and I do something regular every week, our prospect of the week, where we're going to identify for you the prospect for the NHL draft next June that we thought stood out this week. And we don't plan in advance who it is the other is going to talk about. We just start recording this podcast. And I wondered, as I hit record today, are we going to have the same person? Now I know for sure in another segment we're going to be doing We've got the same person. Maybe it's recency bias at play here, but nonetheless, we're going to get to all of that. Before we do, though, I have got a massive, and I do mean massive, mea culpa to offer up here. You even gave me credit last week. Dan said that was some pretty good research, and I thought it was, too, something just at least interesting to bring to the table. But I kind of, sort of, sort of, kind of messed it up and messed it up a lot. So whatever shred of credibility I had... As of last week, it's out the window entirely. And oh, yeah, by the way, I took you down with me. So you're welcome for that. (laughs) All good. I think we overshot a little on Connor, did we not? We exactly. Well, no, not we. I. So a lot of talk about Michael Misa and for obvious reasons in the Ontario Hockey League. And so I just took it upon myself and I hadn't seen anybody else do this yet. So I'd like to think maybe they just wanted to follow my lead, but then also correct the record after eight games or after 10 games we looked at Mises eight goals and I just I was curious where does this stack up against other 
exceptional players in the Ontario Hockey League. And I was I was solid on Shane Wright. I was solid on uh, John Tavares. But when I looked up McDavid's stats and I talked about his 29 points in his first 10 games and a 14-game point streak, that was his draft year. That was year three in the Ontario Hockey League for Connor McDavid. So I forgot to switch the drop-down menu. Totally inexcusable. Huge mistake on my part. So let's just... Let's just paint the picture the way it ought to be painted. We are now 13 games into the Ontario Hockey League season. Michael Misa, as a 15-year-old, 10 goals and 7 assists for 17 points. How does that stack up? Well, it's considerably ahead of Shane Wright, who had 4 and 6 for 10 points after 13 games. It's right up there with John Tavares, who was 12 and 6 for 18 points over 13 games. And it's even a shade better than Connor McDavid, who was six and nine for 15 points after 13 games. Now, here's the other thing to keep in mind. If we, and how many times have we said on this podcast already, it's early, but these are also 15 year old hockey players. If we were to take these projections as the projections, we would say then as of today, John Tavares is better than Connor McDavid because McDavid only had 15 points in his first 13 games. Tavares had 18. As much as I'm a Leafs fan, I can see that Connor McDavid is clearly the superior player. Bottom line, though, is, and Michael Misa deserves credit for this, he is among the very best in terms of point production early in his OHL career as any exceptional player to come through this league so far. Indisputable indisputable fact, the way you just stated that, Mike. So there you go. That's a, Yeah, no one's saying this is going to be Connor McDavid 2.0, but uh, certainly at where he is today relative to those, comp- those previous uh, exceptional players, he's put himself right in that ballpark. So my apologies sincerely for getting the wrong menu on Connor McDavid's points. Let's be clear, too. A draft-eligible player, I and mean, we're going into prospect of the week uh, later on in this episode of the OHL podcast. Hey, If you're putting up 29 points in 10 games, I think people are going to stand up and take notice. Nobody doing that yet this year, but nonetheless, I wanted to make sure we corrected the record on that. Something that you brought to my attention over the weekend, Dan, that you really enjoyed was what the Ottawa 67s were doing on social media, heading into their 9-0 weekend and coming up against the Peterborough Peets. And I got to say, I love when I see this stuff out there too. Yeah, I just wanted to give a a nod to the hardworking social media crews around the the OHL. They only serve to better the league and make it a more fun experience for the fans. But I've really enjoyed the uh, the wit, humor, just the right tone the uh, the Ottawa 67 staff are achieving this year. Whoever's running that account, I mean, earlier in the year they took the the uh, W out of Oshawa, which was was witty. And then, of course, this weekend we saw all of the Peets that they rank ahead of the Peterborough Peets, and starting <laughs> with. Uh, uh, Maverick Pete Maverick Mitchell from Top Gun fame, which I got, I got to agree. Sorry, Peterborough. Um, definitely a few Pete's rank ahead of you, but I just thought great, uh, great job to the Ottawa 67 staff and to those around the league who run these accounts. I don't know who's running it in Oshawa anymore. That used to be my go-to as a favorite, and it might be the same person, but just set the bar so high that others are starting to catch up. I've noticed London and Erie going back and forth a little bit chirping one another and again i think this is exactly what social media should be used for particularly in the sporting context younger fans are obviously on social media more than following traditional media so if this is a way to get your fan base moving and get them excited about things and have some fun online i think it's terrific across the board the only thing i would add to this is i'm not certain that 
any of these people managing the accounts are being paid or being paid a lot of money. They might be interns. They might be working their way through school. I think this is some great experience for them. And listen, I'm on the outside looking in. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. If you're an owner of an Ontario hockey league team, I know budgets are tight and there's not a ton of money to be made, but gosh, darn it. If it's not more than free tickets and free Ottawa 67 swag, like try to, you know, give them a little something here because they can be a really important part of generating interest in the team and, and getting the fan base going. Oh, completely. And it's good for the whole league. Uh, when they see that, that builds the rivals, builds that storyline, if you will, and it's got to be selling tickets. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, do what you can to support those people because they're doing a bang up job. Yeah, they really are. I would echo that. Okay, speaking of good for the whole league or maybe not good for the whole league. And I confess on this, Dan, I've been beating this drum for years. And I will add to that, I promised myself coming into this season, it's a brand new season, it's a clean slate, I'm not going to engage in this nonsense anymore. Because for me, it's so frustrating because it should be so simple. However, I have kind of been re-engaged in the nonsense because I guess beating the drum over the years has kind of made me the de facto go-to guy when somebody has a complaint about the three-star selections. Again, here's the thing for me. It should be really easy. The team that wins the game should get two of the three stars. The team that loses the game should get one, except in the case of a blowout. If the game is 7-1 for one team, I don't think you need to find a star for the team that scored the one goal. So there you go. It shouldn't be difficult. And yet we see notorious cases of homerism in various markets. And to me, that just takes away a little bit from the integrity of the game and the spirit of what the three stars is all about. Again, I promised myself I was going to disengage from this, but fans keep tagging me on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL. And they're frustrated too. So I don't know where you stand on this, Dan, but I'm not sure what to do anymore. Well, I, I, you know, I'm before people jump on you here, Farwell, and say, you know, oh, he's on about the three stars again. A couple points. One is you made an excellent point uh, when I talked to you about this probably two years ago, which was, you know, people say, who cares? Just the three stars, let it go. Well, if no one cares, then don't do them. So we're doing them. So some, so some people care. So let's actually talk about it. And the second point I'd like to make is just on the homerism. I've heard some people defend it and say, oh, it's just for the kids or the hometown fans. It's just to get them excited about their team. It, it's not a hype video. The game just played out in front of them. You're insulting the intelligence of the fans in your arena if you don't do it properly and seriously. And most of those fans give them an ounce of credit. They just watched the hockey game. They know who was and was not good. If their team lost 7-1, they know they don't deserve a star. Let's get real. Maybe they'll learn some of the players around the league by seeing them honored as stars. And it kind of reminds me of the, uh, uh, my brother has season tickets to the Ottawa Senators. And bane of his existence when he goes to those games is the Senators for years would not run highlights from the other team. So you'd sit there and watch the hockey game. Could be. 4-2 4-2 for the opponent, and they run the, the highlights from the previous two periods and only show the two Senators goals. Like, who are you kidding? And that's all I have to say about the three stars is, is when you do the homerism picks, who are you kidding? We were all there. We all saw it. Let's give your fans an ounce of credit for having some intelligence. 
I really like the way you put that because the fans do deserve some of that credit. And because I've been told many times, Farwell, get off this horse. It's dead. Nobody cares. I, I would push back on that and say, in fact, people do care. If they didn't care, why would they be tagging me to this day on social media when they hear stars that they don't agree with? I would also add to that. I have heard players talking about the fact that they were overlooked in the three stars and couldn't believe it. But the, the first thing that you said makes the most sense to me. If nobody cares, then just stop doing it. But if you're going to do it, just do it the right way. It shouldn't be too much to ask. No, 100%, Farwell. And, and just on your, your point there about the players you've heard mentioned being overlooked, I will just throw out a little tiny plug there for defensemen around the league. I find if if any group of player gets overlooked, uh, it's defensemen because they often so often go by points and whatnot. And you can have defensemen have terrific games, just minute-eating games, just terrific in all facets, rarely picked for stars. So for those of you around the league choosing three stars, when you give give a nod to a defender who had a great game and didn't show up on the score sheet, kudos to you for watching that game closely. It's funny you said that, and it leads right into one other point I wanted to make. So let me let me draw back the curtain a little bit for you here and be completely upfront and transparent. I am involved in picking the stars at Kitchener Rangers games. And, and I bring this up because the first selection that offended somebody that was brought to my attention this past weekend happened in Flint, where the Firebirds beat the Oshawa Generals 8-7 in a shootout. In a shootout. So basically, you've got a 7-7 game. The visitors scored seven times, and it was a clean sweep of the stars for Flint. And so somebody shares that with me. I take it to social media. And full credit to Jack Snevice, the broadcaster and communications pro in Flint, who responded almost immediately and said, I'm going to wear that one. Here's what happened. So Jack, like me, helps to, or maybe by himself, picks the three stars. And at the end of the game, he said he had eight different names. And in relaying the message to the people downstairs at ice level who go and grab the physical, like physically grab the players, hey, you're a star, come out for your skate. Something got lost in translation and the wrong names got sent down. You know what? I got all the time in the world for Jack Snevice for saying that, owning that, and acknowledging the mistake. So to bring it back to me and make it all about me, just to give you an idea here, I'm trying to broadcast a hockey game. So I've got a job to do live on the air. I've got commercials that need to be played so our sponsors are satisfied. I've got somebody else in the broadcast booth with me who, if we do get 30 seconds during a commercial, we might have to coordinate something. I've got a producer talking in my ear. Also, if we have a 30-second commercial break, we might need to coordinate something. You take those things, and I'm, listen, I don't have the hardest job in the world. I get it. I'm not splitting any atoms. I'm not birthing no babies. But you take a a two-goal game or a one-goal game with three minutes to go, and now the people downstairs are asking you, or even in a tie game, it's worse. The people downstairs need to know because they need to plan for something. So now they want two different scenarios sent down to them while you're trying to broadcast the game, satisfy the sponsors, communicate with one another, and you get little bursts of 30 seconds of time during a commercial break to take care of all of the things. I fully admit to having gummed it up in the past because it's an imperfect situation. However, I will also say that we always endeavor 
to do what I said at the beginning of all of this. And that is the winning team gets two stars. The losing team gets one star unless it's a blowout. And that means even when the team that I broadcast for the Kitchener Rangers lose, in fact, perfect example just happened on Friday night when they lost six, three to the Erie Otters, the Erie Otters, the visitors swept the stars and the Rangers got one late in that game. And we had the quick decision, uh, the quick conversation during one of the 32nd commercials do we throw the Rangers a star now? And we said, no, it was a 6-2 game, essentially. Boom, all three stars go to the Otters. Anyway, that's just to give you a little bit of an idea of what's happening in those arenas. So it's not always a perfect science by any stretch of the imagination. But to Dan's point, if you're going to do it, do it the right way and give the fans, just acknowledge that they have some level of hockey IQ. They're intelligent beings. They saw the game. Don't make it a homerism thing or just say you're picking the three stars of the whatever team it is and go on from there. Yeah, and I'll just end that talk with a little uh, throwback for you, Farwell. It's like the, picking the three stars should be much like the Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs scouting of the late 80s. If you're only looking at one team's list, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> is that when they were looking at the Belleville Bulls list? Is that it, what was? It, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well played, sir. Well Thanks. played. Okay. I want to I want to talk to you about the teams uh, that have expressed an intention to bid for the Memorial Cup. So we're going to get to that in just a moment. But before that, an idea that you threw at me as we were texting the other day that I really liked, and and we already referenced Michael Misa and his incredible start to the season. So obviously he comes in as an exceptional player. He's off to a white hot start with ten goals in his first thirteen games. Everybody's talking Michael Misa, but. Are there other rookies or is there another rookie in this league not named Michael Misa that maybe deserves a little bit of a nod on this podcast, Dan Mahar? There's probably a few to answer your question. There's a few that have really impressed me in, in the limited pieces I've seen so far in this season. But the one, I feel like I'm giving a lot of love to the Ottawa 67s lately. So maybe I got to tone that down. But given their record, it's probably justified. But uh, I'm going to throw the nod this week on the rookie to Henry Muse on the back end there. Uh, a high pick seventh overall um, had some high-end skating and puck movement ability uh, but coming into the league as a 16 year old defender is comes with its challenges and, and just watching the minutes he's playing and how effectively he's controlling that puck for the Ottawa 67 some blips for sure for a kid that age few few pucks getting behind him but uh, just wanted to give a little nod to, to Henry this week for for outstanding performance the month of October you just reminded me of a point I forgot to make in that last conversation about three stars real quick after Jack Snevice and Flint acknowledged, you know, the mistake publicly, he and I exchanged a number of messages and we got to talking because you, you said throw a defenseman, uh, a nod once in a while. And Jack and I got to talking about that very thing. It's so easy to look at goalies or the guys that get all the points as stars. Those are the easy ones, the low hanging fruit, so to speak. We try. It's imperfect. Henry Muse is a is a great pick as a rookie. I thought that we were going to end up with the same name here. So it's not, which is good, I guess, although I will absolutely claim recency bias on this. But I'm going to give a nod here or a shout out to Malcolm Spence with the Erie Otters, who just impresses the heck out of me. He's got, again, two viewings over this weekend. So take the recency bias into account here. But great vision out there hardworking. I like the way he skates. Uh, Playmaking ability is absolutely there and not afraid to go to the net. Like that guy you'll find around those dirty areas, which is something I really like about players as opposed to working on the perimeter, maybe relying on your shot and that sort of thing. 
but uh, good looking young hockey player, not named Michael Misa that uh, is doing all right in the Ontario hockey league so far. Yeah. Great choice. I obviously Malcolm was high on my list too. Um, complete package we're seeing so far. does not look like a 16 year old. So great choice there. Another super high pick in the draft at third overall. So you'd expect big things from him, but maybe not quite this early. He's he's really performing. Yeah. It's nice to see guys step into the league and make it look like they belong there as quickly as many of these guys are. And I, I love the recognition for Muse on the back end like that, especially for defensemen. It's, it's hard to acclimatize yourself. In fact, we just talked this weekend because the Rangers uh, made a trade with the Sioux Greyhound. So a kid from Kitchener by the name of Blair Scott played his first ever OHL game. And in talking to him afterwards, he says the first thing he notices the speed and you, not to pick on the kid, but there was one shift in particular where I forget who it was. It might've been Noah Sador could have been Caleb Smith. Anyway, literally blew by him on the outside. You could tell that Blair was just taken aback a little bit by the speed at the level he was playing now, having been playing in the go before uh, his acquisition. Yeah, and uh, probably the best analogy there is is baseball batters that step into the major leagues, and you know you're used to seeing 89 to 91, and suddenly you see 98, 99. It's it's an adjustment, and it's not going to happen in game one. All right, let's talk about the Memorial Cup 2024. We talk about the Memorial Cup 2024 because it's Ontario's turn to host, and this is, after all, the OHL podcast. So somewhere in Ontario next May, you're going to be able to watch the major junior hockey championship three cities three franchises have already expressed their intention to submit a bid those franchises slash cities are kingston niagara slash st Catharines, and sault st marie you want to take them one at a time dan what do you think of the teams that have emerged as those intending to bid for the championship next year yeah sure well i mean there's always a number of factors the the arena fan base and how the team's going to be are the, probably the three critical ones. I'm going to ignore the financial factor for now. Um, I would say of the three, there's always the component two of who's deserving, who's, who's waited their turn, who's consistently been competitive. And when you look at that stand, from that standpoint, uh, probably you got to put Sue on top of the heap. They're a, they're a team that's always in the hunt, always a professional organization, pretty often are competitive. Uh, might not have quite the capacity of some of the arenas, but still a very nice facility. Um, you might look at Niagara and say new ownership, not quite their turn yet, fellas, maybe being a little ambitious here. Uh, having said that great facility uh, team shaping up to be pretty decent for that run. And of course, Kingston, we talk about the, the challenges getting fans out there. Are, are, is it going to be an embarrassment for the league if we don't get fans out there? So that one's kind of up to the fan base. I, I wouldn't necessarily look at that city right now with a lot of confidence that they're going to fill that building and reflect well upon the league. So those are kind of my initial thoughts, Mike. I don't know if you had a different order for, for how you choose those teams. Boy, oh boy. Uh, first of all, I love what you said about the Sioux. And I agree wholeheartedly with that. Here's where I struggle with Kingston. You talked about the fan base. But you know what, if we go back to 2011, when Mississauga hosted, and boy, oh boy, did they get lucky that Owen Sound was in the OHL championship with them. They called the arena the Bayshore South. My point in bringing that up is, even in Kingston, you can draw from Ottawa, you can draw from Cornwall, bring back the Royals, you can, so... I don't know. I I think you'll be able to draw enough from the catchment area, so to speak. The big challenge is, and I love the arena in Kingston, but this came up the last time there was a 
Memorial Cup conversation and Kingston was involved. And that is, as beautiful as the arena is, they really gummed up the dressing room situation. They've got a great room for the home team. The visitors are shoehorned into a corner of the building. And unless things have changed dramatically, the last time this conversation was happening, the talk was that the other two dressing rooms, because four teams will be involved in the championship, would basically have to be outside the back of the arena on a closed down street under a tent. So, cause you just don't have the room inside unless they're going to, you know, make something makeshift. So that's not ideal again for the, the championship. You want the players to feel like they're in, you know, a place that's, that's worthy of the Canadian national junior hockey championship. So we'll see it, the Leon center has got a lot going for it. The city's got a lot going for it. Um, your point on the fan base is well taken. And the other thing about it is, I mean, it might be an old joke already, but it's, is it the only way Kingston's ever going to get there? The team's never even been to an OHL championship in its history. Yeah, and, and you know what? When you're making these decisions as the, the Board of Governors, you've got to take that into account because you want a legitimate team. That We all remember the uh, embarrassment of the Hamilton Dukes where they had to abdicate their, their position and these things going back over the years. And I know generally now this process has eliminated that, but you don't want a mediocre team in there. And, and let's face it, Kingston has been pretty mediocre a lot of seasons. So this isn't, I'm not trying to slam this. I love the city. I love the waterfront there. There's a lot going for it. Uh, I'm just saying I, it would be a consideration that would make me scared if I was voting. So Kingston might be a step above Sault Ste. Marie when it comes to the accommodations that would be required, because this is a big event to host. And the point has already been made. I think you can make it work in Sault Ste. Marie with the number of hotels, but obviously you're going from your A-list to your B-list and you might even be into the C-list hotel accommodations by the time you get everybody into Sault Ste. Marie. St. Catharines has all of that in spades. And I know you said you wouldn't get into the money part of the conversation yet, but I will because I again will liken it to 2011 in Mississauga when Eugene Melnick was the owner and everybody knew that he wanted to host a championship there. It didn't matter how many fans were going to show up. He was going to cut the check. Well, we know that there are pretty deep pockets now with the Ice Dogs organization. I'm with you, especially the way they've monkeyed around in the trade market this year. I think you guys need to just settle down, start showing us how you can run a franchise in this league before we start awarding a Memorial Cup to your city. That said, I have very little doubt that Darren Dobelar can cut a really healthy check. And if we're being honest about this, Dan, and I know you know this as well as anybody, money talks and the conversation even going back almost a decade now when London hosted in 2014, and it was the second time in nine years because they hosted in 05 as well. So it had gone through the OHL cycle, I think only two more times, and then it's back to London. But the talk even then was it's getting to the point where it is so expensive because the host team guarantees an amount of money to the CHL. And it's getting to the point where only so many teams are going to be able to compete for this championship as hosts because it costs so damn much to do it. Yeah, it's probably the biggest factor. And, and there's, you're, you're right, it's going to limit the number that can do it. And, and St. Catharines definitely has one thing going for it, and that's the geography. There's so much uh, population center around there. They're a little over an hour from one NHL market, a little under an hour from another, and it's 
just uh, a huge advantage when you consider some of those logistics and getting getting scouts and entourages to the building. So there's an awful lot of criteria that go into making this decision, and each one of those three centers has something going for it. But uh, that that'd certainly be my pick list. I will add to this too that I don't think it's good at all, frankly, that money means so much. I think that the beautiful community of Owen Sound should have an opportunity sometime, but never will. Yeah, it is a real shame when you look, if you think some may be too small to have it because Owen Sound has done everything in their power to to earn it uh, year over year. And they've got a beautiful location there that few people see. So maybe it's a great opportunity to showcase some of these cities that are in your league. So a lot of ways you can look at it, but you're right. It'd be a shame if places like Owen Sound were never in consideration. One final thing just to add to this is that these are the three cities slash franchises, Kingston, Sault Ste. Marie, Niagara, that have expressed an intention to bid. The bids will actually be accepted in January. So it's not like other organizations couldn't step forward and throw something in by the time January rolls around. And I'll just put this out there for consideration. There are some rumblings around the rink and not just around the rink in the city that I call home, but in and around some places, if you talk to quiet corners at City Hall, there might be interest in the city of Kitchener as well for hosting in 2024. Well, we know everything Kitchener has going for it with a great facility, a track record of hosting very well, uh, central location, all those things. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, see what comes of it. But uh, there is st- there is still some time for sure. Okay, let's uh, get on to our prospect of the week part of the conversation this week on the OHL podcast. I I missed. Earlier, I thought our rookie was going to be from the same team because we saw some eerie this weekend, but you went with Henry Muse in Ottawa as your rookie not named Misa. I went with Malcolm Spence with the Erie Otters. Prospect of the week, who stood out to you this week, Dan? Well, this is coming back to the Erie Otters I referenced earlier. So I was going to go prospect of the week to Erie uh, rather than rookie and going to go a little bit off the radar here, but just because I've always liked this player so much, that's Kerry Terrance. Uh, rated as a, a B, I believe, for the upcoming NHL draft. So, you know, second, third, fourth round, probably somewhere in that range that he's he's going to get drafted. And just love the work ethic on this kid. Battles every shift. Uh, if you want to take video of a player to show your other players and say, this is what we expect from you in this league, night in, night out, uh, that's your guy. Uh, kind of a well-rounded package. Not going to leap off the page at you with offensive stats or with hits or penalty minutes, but... Uh, does everything well and mostly driven by work ethic and just, just love that player. So I want to give a nod this week to, to carry. I'm not sure many fans in Kitchener love that player right now after he really sparked the comeback on Sunday versus the Kitchener Rangers in Erie. But because you brought him up, let's just go back half a step here and talk a little bit more about this Otters team. Again, I know it's early. Okay. But, this many games in with a four game heater that the otters are on and look at the way they got their last two wins. They're up against the previously undefeated in regulation Windsor Spitfires on Saturday night at home. Again, this is after they play in Kitchener on Friday, they travel back home in fairness. The spits were on the end of a three and three. They played home Thursday, then in Niagara on Friday, then in Erie on Saturday, but the spits held a lead in the second period and the Otters explode for three goals in 30 seconds to turn the deficit into a home team advantage. They go on to win the game. Same thing happens on Sunday when they even appeared. My eye test said 
they were they were packing it in late second period and suddenly something changes they come back out and win that game this otters team is a night i mean we've been talking about it looking like a good club a year to two from now it's a good looking hockey club right now yeah and i think in our preseason pod we gave him a little love for that reason we the work ethic is there and like you, you referenced their weekend where yeah, maybe they took advantage of a tired Windsor team to blow up in the third period. But then where was the that excuse on Sunday when Kitchener should have been taking advantage of a tired Erie team and Erie blew up on them again? So all of that to me speaks to work ethic. And when you have a coaching staff that has all the players buying in and working that hard and knowing that moving their feet and engaging is the answer, look out. They can win on any night. They don't have to have the top talent on paper. Uh, they're supposed to take a step back this year, be a year or two away. And but work ethic is everything in hockey and in junior. And, and you got to take note of those Erie Otters because they're going to outwork you most nights. All right. So Kerry Terrence gets the prospect of the week nod from Dan Mahar. I'm also going to go with a kid that was ranked as a B prospect in the players to watch from NHL Central Scouting. But I'm going back up to the nation's capital and the Ottawa 67s. And I'm going to identify Luca Pinelli this week. Uh, you know, the numbers are are fine for the season six goals nine assists for 15 points so far but he he's coming off a three-point weekend and more than anything for me i even asked the question publicly on twitter after the peets beat the 67s so they go nine and oh to start they're nine and one i said okay but what happens in the next game well the 67s came out and won the next game and pinelli's got a goal and an assist in that game and i just i i like what he brings obviously offensively but i like his his edge too uh, he's he takes his share of penalties, but he's not afraid to get mixed up in things. So Luca Pinelli is the guy that I identify as my prospect of the week this week for the pod. Very good. And I think the the fans in Ottawa are going to have to be happy with our pod. They're getting a lot of love the last couple of weeks. And yeah, solid, obviously a solid pick with Luca Pinelli he gets every bit out of that body and more. So if he can grow an inch or two, he might get up into that A range. When we'll, we'll wait and see. It's funny you mentioned all the love to Ottawa. It's true. We've been talking as the season started and the team going so well about the, you know, the front office, the hockey ops with James Boyd and Dave Cameron down behind the bench. We've, we've talked about their social media account and how well it's being run. Now we're giving one of the players a prospect of the week, all of that on top of being 10 and one to start the season. Might as well just move to Ottawa. <laughs> hey, sign me up. My, well, the problem is hockey happens in winter. I'm not so not so sure about the Ottawa winters, but, uh, but yeah, beautiful city. Never say no. All right. That guy over there is Dan Mahar. You'll find him on Twitter at Tim Wallach. My name is Mike Farwell on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL. Remember, you can send us an email anytime, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. And that can be for anything. A guest you want to hear from, a criticism you've got, a question you want answered, whatever it is, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. Please, if you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on all the various social media channels. Uh, it's the OHL Podcast on YouTube. It's at the OHL Podcast on Instagram, Facebook as well. Give us a like, subscription, leave a review, whatever the case may be. Coming up on Friday's episode, uh, we're going to go away from player slash coach. We're going to talk to a former Ontario Hockey League scout. Uh, and he was a guy, let me get this straight, that wanted his team to pick Mitch Marner, and his team skipped that, and then brought Michael Bunting to a practice, and the team didn't sign him as a free agent. So 
I don't know how it worked out for that team particularly, but we'll hear from the scout that did that. Is that enough of a clue? This is going to be a tough one, Dan. You, I think you're just going to have to tune in on Friday. Definitely tune in. Sounds like a guy <laughs> that should have been listened to earlier, so don't miss your chance now. Exactly. And let me tell you, hilarious. He's like a stream of consciousness. So when we get to the story about how the Macintosh toffee somehow ended up on the ice, that's what the uh, podcast is all about in the stories we get. This is the OHL podcast. Next episode comes out on Friday. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.